Good morning, and welcome to the Pitch Towards Holiness podcast. I'm Michael Kidwell. And I'm Mike Kidwell. All right, so today is the most anticipated episode, the curveball. Dad, you brought it up a few episodes ago, <laughs> and some things happened, and we talked about different stuff, but today is the day we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we always like to um, really wait on God and see what, where he leads us and wait on the Holy Spirit's direction and so the, the podcasts that we've had before are really just what the Holy Spirit's put on our hearts. And this this week, um, as Michael said, it's the most much anticipated curveball episode um, because it's the follow-up to the fastball. The fastball, we really talked about the Word of God being our fastball and how it needs to be um, a part of our life. It needs to be our main pitch. And the fastball sets up the strikeout pitch, which is the curveball. So mm-hmm. in order to kind of give you the the spiritual um, direction that we're going to go with the curveball, Michael, will you first talk about um, what the curveball means to a pitcher in the major leagues, you know, to um, be a strikeout pitch after he has set it up with a fastball? Right, so... For those of you that don't know, a curveball typically is one of the slowest pitches that a pitcher throws, um, and it also has some of the most movement based on the pitcher, and um, it depends on how they throw it and how they hold the ball um, especially. But the curveball for um, pitchers is used about 30% of the time. That's, that's the highest percentile based on um, pitch usage. And then it also has the lowest batting average against um, for the top ranked uh, pitcher that uses the most curveballs. He has the lowest batting average based on that one pitch. And that's the key that we want you to understand is um, not not the frequency of use, but the batting average against, you know, if we really want to put the devil on the run, if we really want to be able to strike him out with our spiritual performance and our spiritual disciplines, we have to understand that the curveball is going to get the least amount of positive results on the offensive side. So if you want the the devil to not be able to hit off of your pitches, if you want to be able to tell him no when he gives you an invitation to sin, you need to figure out how to throw the curveball, spiritually speaking. So go ahead, Michael. So um, the top-ranked pitcher um, based on stats is Adam Wainwright. He throws for St. Louis Cardinals. Um, He uses the curveball about 30% of the time. And when he throws it, 24.8% of that time, he strikes the batter out. So almost every time he throws his curveball, it's guaranteed a strikeout. And so another 19% of the time, he's either getting someone to fly out with it or ground out with it. So his curveball is almost the definition of dominant. Like if you're seeing a curveball come out of his hand, you might as well just go ahead and walk back to the dugout cuz you're out. Yeah, a lot of there's a lot of talk these days about spin rate and the shape of a curveball and um really the the thing that makes a curveball effective for a pitcher is the way it mimics a fastball coming out of the hand. Right. And so, you know, with with a fastball in your release point where you release it and the curveball being in the same release point 
um, it, it gives the batters the indication at first that it's a fastball until it starts going diving down out right, of the zone right. and really just um, um, gets them off their game. So I know that, you know, in your pitching experience in Little League and um, juniors and, and all of the things that you pitched in, the curveball for you was one of your main pitches because you never were a guy that threw hard. Yeah, no. But you did throw a curveball very, very often. So let, talk to me about the results you got when you threw a curveball. Um, so a lot of the times, um, the curveball for me, I used more than my fastball because my fastball was really slow, but I could pinpoint it where I want it. Um, but a lot of the times it would result in a hit. So my curveball, um, for those of you that, that don't know, um, when I was little, the day before opening day, I went roller skating and I, I, I broke my wrist when I was 10. And um, that, that was hard to come back home and be like, hey, dad, um, I can't play the first six weeks of this season because my, my wrist is broke. And ironically enough, whenever I got my cast off, my curveball went from about three inches of drop to about six inches of drop, which is funny because you would think um, I wouldn't be able to throw it as good with my wrist not being 100%, but honestly, it made my pitch better. And so I went from getting um, easy swings to mi- swing and misses to people falling out of their shoes trying to hit this pitch. And it, it was more than just a setup pitch for me. It was the closing pitch. And a lot of the times, that's what I would throw to strike someone out. Or if we needed a ground out, that's what was coming your way. And that's, you know, the same way the major league pitchers use the curveball. Is it's, it's a strikeout pitch that you're not going to see as, as frequently as the fastball. Um, but it, it gets the, the batter off his timing. It gets him off his game. And it... it, it produces soft contact Mm -hmm. ground outs or strikeouts and all of those um most of the time um result in the batter getting out and and that's the main point that we want you to get today from the curveball is it is an out pitch Mm -hmm. and spiritually speaking we need to know what our out pitch is and if the fastball represents metaphorically the word of god and um, we need to be able to locate the Word of God in our life. We need to be able to throw it hard. Um, we need to be confident in the Word of God. And if, if the Word of God metaphorically represents the fastball, then the curveball represents our prayer life. Mm-hmm. And um, the, I, don't, I don't know if a lot of people understand, but the, in spiritual warfare... Your prayer life is the only arena that the devil can't um, come and attack you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, the devil's not welcome into the constant conversation that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit have with you. Right. He is not allowed in that arena. And so this is a way that we can communicate to God and we can also put the devil on the run. Um if people are wanting to enter the fight, spiritually speaking, if they're looking to do battle against the devil, it's always going to start on our knees in prayer. Mm-hmm. And um, in my life, uh, that's 
where the day starts. Um, if if the devil can have my morning, he can get my day. Um, it's very, very important that my discipline stay that of a person that starts the morning mm-hmm. in the Word of God and spending time in prayer. Right. Um, and it's not how much you pray. It's not a timing thing. It's a faith thing. It's it's how much faith you have when you pray, and um, y- using the Word of God in your times of prayer. Um, whenever whenever you pray, and you incorporate the truth of the Word of God in your prayer, it just makes it all that more powerful. It makes it it, it increases your faith. And again, it's an arena where we can put the devil on the run. So, Michael, kind of talk to me about how your prayer life has um, progressed over the years from the time you started praying to, to now. I mean, you're, you're 25 years old, mm-hmm. and so you, you haven't got life all figured out, but no. you're, you're trying to, yeah. and you're working through the daily sanctification mm-hmm. of Christ, and you're, you're beginning to understand the importance of the Word of God in your life. You're beginning to understand the importance of prayers. So kind of talk to us about the progression of your prayer life right and so um when i first became a christian i didn't really know how to pray and that's that's a common thing for christians when they first start out they don't know how to pray they they think it's um you got to say the right words um almost like speaking in king james um you got to use a lot of vowels and thou and thee and all that stuff but that's not how it works um you're you're just talking to your Lord and Savior. It it's just like um, talking to your friend because I mean it's it's just like having a relationship. You're just having a conversation. And so growing up, um, really, whenever my um, heart condition started. Um, slowing me down. What heart condition? Okay, so for those of you that don't know, I was born with a rare heart condition called erotic stenosis. One of the valves that leads into my um, heart is um, smaller than it should be, and so blood flow doesn't go to or from like it should. Um, But growing up, it never slowed me down until I got to high school, and um, I went to get a physical so that I could play baseball, and my doctor said, hey, it's gotten a lot worse. Um, We're going to have to pull you out of sports completely. Um, And um, that's kind of when my prayer life kind of um, grew, because around that time, um, baseball kind of took over my life. And it was practices, travel ball, um, anytime I could play, I was playing. And so I kind of put my life with Christ on the back burner. And so this was kind of my wake up call to say, Hey, um, you're putting this before me, so I'm going to take it away from you. And so my prayer life grew t- tremendously, um, because not only was it affecting my, um, walk with Christ, it was also affecting my grades my house life. It was affecting um, the way I acted towards um, my little brothers. I was very prideful. Um, Full of anger. Yes. I was, um, I had a very big um, anger problem. And so 
basically what I started out with was um, asking God to just calm me down because I wanted to be a better brother. I wanted to be a better son. I wanted to be a better student at school. Um, and I just felt this call of God on me whenever I started doing that, that um, was like, hey, you want something to take your anger out on? Um, I, I Play the drums. And I had never played an instrument before. I had never, um, I was not a really big music fan during that time. Um, but I had felt this call of God to say, hey, you need to play the drums. Um, and I'm going to open a door that you don't know where you're going to go. You don't know what you're going to do. But I'm going to open this door. And if you just take a step of faith, you're going to do some amazing things. And so I was like, at first, I was like, no, this isn't what I'm going to do. I'm going to um, forge forge a signature on my um, physical, and I'm going to take it to school, and I'm going I'm to still play baseball. And um, a trip to the principal's office later, um, I found out that wasn't the right idea. And so I was like, you know what, God? Um, you're stopping me every which way I try to run. Um, so I just kind of took that step in faith and... Now I'm playing every Sunday at our worship team. I, I go with um, different bands and play Christian music all over Texas. Um, and it's it's just open doors I couldn't have imagined. Well, and, you know, what, what Michael's not telling you is that there was a season that he was mad at us. Um, he was mad at God. He was really just angry at, at everything. Um, and I, I think in that he found out that when he gave up himself and um, he put himself um, on the back burner that, that God could use him in a mighty way, you know, cause I think if, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but you were just pretty self-focused. Oh, absolutely. And um, you know, slowly but surely God has started to decrease the self-centeredness in, mm-hmm. in your life mm-hmm. and um, begin to make him the most important thing in your life. And, are, are we perfect? No, but um, you're not where you used to be. You're not the person that you used to be, and, mm-hmm. and God's got you on the move in the right direction. So that that's the importance of prayer. In in First Thessalonians five seventeen, it says, "I'm sorry." First Thessalonians five sixteen and seventeen, it says, "Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God." For you in Christ Jesus, it's it's not how much you pray. Again, it's it's how much you have faith behind your prayer. And you know, a lot of people are like, "Well, I got to close my eyes and I got to pray a certain way." Closing your eyes is not a magic solution to prayer. It's mm-hmm. just a way to alleviate distractions that are around you. Um, you can pray with your eyes open. Pray with your eyes closed. You can pray standing up, sitting down, walking, running, whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it should just be a constant conversation that you have um, in your head and in your heart with Jesus because he's the one that's going to be able to change your life. And mm-hmm. it, it's really, you know, I always like to um, compare it to the marriage relationship because that's what we're supposed to be, the bride of Christ. That's who we're supposed to be. And so when you look at the communication that you have with your spouse, as, as I do, and, and Michael will eventually when he gets married, mm-hmm. is, you know, um, 
I want to talk to my wife to get to know her better, to understand how um, where, where her heart's at, and really because I have a lot of adoration and I enjoy being with her. And it should be all the more um, that we spend time with Jesus for the same reasons, mm-hmm. because you adore him, because you want to get to know him more, and because you just love him. Um, and, and that happens through spending time in the word and in prayer. Um, it, it's all about foundations. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know about um, you, Michael, but um, the foundation that you build your life on um, it is going to be whether you stand a test of time or you're you're stumbling and falling in um, when when trouble comes. So why don't you kind of talk to me about um, the foundation that of prayer that you're you're trying to build your life on? Right. So um, a a huge part now um, as I'm engaged um, is before we even get married, Brittany and I, we're already trying to build a prayer life together um, because. Let me stop you there. Those that pray together, stay together. Right. And so you told us that whenever we were doing our um, pre-marriage counseling and um, she's the one that took that to heart. And it's, it's awesome because a lot of the times I'm praying by myself and um, she'll call me. Um, while I'm at work or um, after I get off and she's like hey um, I know you're probably at work I know you're probably busy but um, we, we need to pray together before I go to work or before I do anything um, and so I'll be on my forklift with my airpods in praying as I'm working um, so that we can build a life of Christ together because um, a wise man once told me it's not it's it's just how you start is how you're gonna finish and if you start strong you'll finish strong and so you you can't build a house from the roof down you got to start from the ground up and so if we if we start now with a firm foundation then everything will kind of grow as um, the foundation is laid yeah and jesus is our foundation and you know we we talk about the discipline of of um staying in the word of god as being our fastball and the discipline of praying being the curveball because that's really a, a way to get the the enemy out but in first peter 2 um verse verse 4 and i'm going to read a couple verses it talks about being a chosen stone in his in God's chosen people and it talks about you know really the foundation that we should be building on building our life on is Jesus and so I want to read that it says coming to him as to a living stone rejected by men okay Jesus is rejected by those that don't believe in him mm-hmm. but chosen by God and precious you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house a holy priesthood to other to utter up spiritual sacrifices except acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, if it it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes in him 
will by no means be put to shame. That's us. If we believe in him, we will not be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builder rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. So if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in the Son of of God, Jesus, you're going to look at him as a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. There's four great adjectives to describe who you are in Christ, that you may proclaim the the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are a people of God, who had no mercy, but now have obtained mercy through Jesus. We should be stones that are shaped and ready for construction each and every day, not just natural rock, but we should be the stones that are willing to be built upon the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus, and be people that build the, the kingdom of God and really to be set apart. And um, when, when we're set apart by our thoughts and by our actions and our words, it's because the transformation of Jesus because of the time that we spent with him in the word and in prayer. Um, I can't think of anything that I could do without the power of Jesus, without the direction of the Holy Spirit. Um, I can do a lot of things on my flesh and it not be successful, but there's a, there's a lot of things that I want to do to bring glory to God, and I need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Mm-hmm. And I need to spend time in prayer, not just in the morning, but constantly. It's that constant conversation that we're having with Jesus that really puts him as the chief cornerstone of your life. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you want to be able to strike the devil out, you need to really work on your curveball. You need to work on um, the shape and the spin rate so you can get the enemy out. Um, right. The the frequency of prayer being the shape and the intensity of prayer being the spin rate. Um, it, it, Jesus doesn't want to just hear from you half-heartedly. He wants all of your heart, all of your soul all of your mind. He wants you to pray with emotion. He wants you to cry out to him. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, cry out to me and I will show you those things that you didn't already know, those good and mighty things that you didn't know. And um, so he, he wants you to cry out to him with all of your being and really just give it all to him in faith that he can and he will do what he says that he will do mm-hmm. in his word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean... Don't don't be the person that's like, all right, well, here's my little punch out prayer for the day so that I can say that I done it. Um, actually make an effort to pray. Um, yes, it's it's not easy at first. It's not. Um, we both can ad- admit it was not easy starting out. No. But the more you do it, the more you'll want to do it. It's just like any other discipline, you know, going to the gym is something that I struggle with. You know, I want my body to be more in shape. I want my, uh, I want to be 
able to have more cardio, but the, the discipline of going to the gym sometimes eludes me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that eludes me now because I value spending time with Jesus more than I value spending time at the gym. And um, there's there's so many things that go on in the course of a day. But spiritual disciplines are just like that. It, you have to start somewhere. You have to begin somewhere. And um, it, you have to make it part of your daily routine until it becomes a discipline that you just can't do without. Right, right. And um, just just like how impactful a curveball is, um, your prayer life can be just as impactful because um, a lot of people like to journal their prayers. And yeah. you used to do that a lot. I and, do it still. And, and we, we've gone through numerous journals that you've had and looked back and through and just see all the answered prayers that have been um, in those journals. Because I'm such a distracted person, and a lot of people are these days, um, I, I began years ago writing out my prayers. As I was speaking them to, to God, I just write them out. And um, it, it was a blessing because it does a couple things. It, it is, um, keeps my mind captivated on what I'm praying about. And also, um, is, is that journaling, it gives me an opportunity to go back every once in a while and um, remember the things that I did pray about and see all the answered prayers. And that is such an encouragement to me, and it really builds my faith um, to see Jesus in action like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that is another thing that you can use to help you um, hone your curveball um, with your prayer life. Another thing is to to incorporate the Word of God in your prayer and start start not just straight with your list of needs, right? But but go to God and um, praise Him. It, it says rejoice always. You should start with rejoicing. It says to um, give thanks. You should thank Him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it says to pray continuously. So the things that you need should be at the very end. And you shouldn't be asking for things that don't line up with the Word of God. That's right. why it's important to know what's in the Word of God, because you could be praying for things that are that that you don't need, that don't line up with the heart of God. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're praying for those things, don't expect them to get answered, because right. He's only going to answer prayers that line up with the Word of God. But when when you start with praising Him, thanking Him. And then coming to him with with some some things that line up with the word of God that you steadfastly need, then you'll see him on the move in your life in a very very impactful way, and um, it'll build your faith. And then you'll want to share it with others. Right, right. I mean, um, you've been in ministry long enough, and you've probably done this plenty of times. But the prayer hand is such a simple way to go about praying it is um and it really puts things in focus you know if you hold out your hand and you, we all have five fingers mm-hmm. Mo- most of us have five fingers <laughs> okay and if you look at your thumb it, it helps you to it's the thing that's closest to the middle of your hand so the first thing that you should pray for is those that are close to you um that's what your thumb represents 
those that are close to you. And then you look at your pointer finger next, and you should be praying for those that point you to Christ. And, and this is a discipline for people that are like, you know, I don't know what to pray for. I have no idea. So those that are close to you, those that point you to Christ, and then you look at your the, the, the finger that is in the middle of your hand, and that finger is most often your tallest finger. So that should represent praying for those that are in authority over you. Um, and there's many people that are in authority over us, and you can pray for those people. And then the, the finger next to that is the weakest finger on your hand, traditionally speaking. And so it reminds you to pray for those that are weak, those that are um, need a touch from God, those that need salvation. Pray for those people. And then lastly, your pinky finger. You, you hold all the other fingers down and hold the pinky finger out and point it towards yourself. And that's who you should be praying for last is yourself. So it should just represent, um, this isn't a perfect science, but it should just help you with your spiritual disciplines, praying for those that are close to you, those that point you to Christ, those in authority over you, those that are weak, and then pray for yourself and, and your needs last. And, and watch what God will do through the power of prayer mm-hmm. in your life and watch how you're able to strike the enemy out with your curveball. Right. Um, so with that, we would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, we're going to pray and then we're going to close it out. So Lord God, we thank you for this day and we just thank you for everything you've shown us in this episode. Lord God, we just pray that, um, you would grow our discipline so that we can have a stronger prayer life. Lord God, I just ask that you would be with everybody that's listening, that you would, um, bless them and you would keep them in your name. I pray. Amen. So thank you for listening to Pitch Towards Holiness. I'm Michael Kidwell. And I'm Mike Kidwell. See you in the next episode.